This episode is sponsored by Linode. Do you need a Linux server for your latest creation? Then check them out. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit per second network connections, Intel E5 processors, and top of the line hardware to run your servers on. It deploys Linux in seconds from a Linode cloud and you can choose your Linux distribution and node location right from the manager. They have locations in Asia, North America, and Europe and a sweet set of tools to make it easy to manage it. If the web interface isn't your thing, they also have an API and a command line. They also provide two-factor authentication, IPv6, DNS manager, plumbing, scaling, and everything else you would want. So get the most out of your Linux node by checking them out at linode.com or devchat.tv slash linode. Hello, welcome to React Native Radio. Today we're live at Microsoft Connect in New York and we're sitting down with a few people that work with Microsoft App Center that was Microsoft Mobile Center. They kind of uh, made a big announcement yesterday and we're here to kind of talk about all of the things that we can do, not only with React Native, but just in the mobile ecosystem in general. So um, joining us today, we have uh, Ryan Salva, Keith Ballinger, and we also have a new guest, uh, Samina Passat. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you, it's great yes. to be here. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for coming and you know hanging out with us for for a few minutes here. So, um, yeah, there was a lot of announcements yesterday, but I kind of wanted to just start the show off by talking about like what you're all you know excited about and what React Native developers kind of would be interested in playing around with and using. I'm I'm really a big proponent of code push. I'm in the middle of kind of writing a blog post right now about using push notifications with App Center. I've used analytics, all these things. But there's also a couple of new things that were kind of announced yesterday. So I guess, um, you know, whoever wants to kind of pick this question up, talk about like what you're excited about, what uh, big features and announcements kind of went on yesterday. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I think the biggest announcement from my perspective is just that App Center is now a G8 product. It's, you know, supported. You can... Uh, to the degree that we charge you for things, you know, you can pay for it, all of those things. Uh, that said, most of it remains free for all but probably the, the biggest of development teams who have very sophisticated needs. Um, from a React Native perspective, all of the things that a React Native developer would expect and to the degree they've used App Center would love are you know, still there. You can do CI, you can do testing, you can distribute to people. Not only can you distribute to beta testers and to the App Store, um, but you can also distribute to uh, your audience through Code Push. And that's built in and integrated with App Center. Um, obviously, our analytics are you know in crash reporting, so that the everything is there. And the just the big piece of it was the change in name. And just that, hey, this is now a, a GA product. It's no longer something that we call preview or alpha or beta or any of those things. Awesome. So ready for prime time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think and one of the other things that at least I was really excited for us to be able to announce was the pricing. I mean, you already said it, but I know that I got a lot of angst from talking to developers like, oh, my gosh, Code Push is going into Mobile Center, App Center. Is there going to be a price for this? And, you know, this thing that I've come to depend upon for my React Native application, am I now going to have to start paying a hundred bucks a month, a thousand bucks a month, because I've got a really giant code, uh, user base, right? Right. And um, uh, that we're able to continue delivering to, you know, free to the vast majority of developers was, I think, a really, really big win for the community. Um, I, I was always... Just really, it meant a lot to me that we have been able to deliver code push for free for the last two years um, and being able to continue that even kind of as we wrapped it into part of a larger, um, kind of not only just a larger work stream, but part of a, a larger piece of the business is is critical. Yeah, so, I mean, just to, to build on that, this is actually true for all, all of the features. Um, you know, something like 
we don't charge you for beta distribution. It's the same price, which is just zero that code pushes. I think, you know, there's two things that we charge you for right now. One is testing and one is build. And so Samin actually works on builds. She can describe the, the philosophy there. Yeah, the philo- philosophy there is that you have some needs and uh, in terms of build and probably few hundred free minutes per month should be enough to at least get the value out of it and understand uh, why do you want to use this service? And it's the same for test. But as your needs evolve and you want more and more developers are in the team and they're constantly pushing code and you want to always build and test this code, you'll have to start paying for concurrent builds. And in all honesty, it's not something cheap to operate. So yeah, yeah it's kind of understandable that it provides a lot of value. So we also yeah, want right. to charge for it. Yeah. I feel like we, we might have put the cart in front of the horse a little bit here. I mean, while I'm excited to talk about it for free, I realize maybe not everyone knows what Code Push or even App Center is in the yeah, context of this. Yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, Should we like, rewind that really, clock a little bit? Yeah, yeah. We can definitely do that because I do consulting and I've worked with you know at least a dozen clients, maybe dozens of clients this year, um, getting them up and running with React Native and also maybe just going in and helping them um, integrate w- React Native with their existing, you know, whatever they're whatever they're working with. And at this point, 100% of the customers I work with are getting and using CodePush. Either they already have it, or I actually tell them, you know, you have to have this. This is like, you know, awesome. Yeah, it's part of the default. Yeah, and then right? once they see, it, of course, they really like it. But I, so um, let's talk about a couple things. One, what CodePush is, and two, that you mentioned pricing. Like, is there a price to use CodePush? I guess. Okay, sure. So. Uh, we'll start with like the like what is App Center and like and how does Code Push play into that, right? So App Center is essentially a collection of services that provide everything that a React Native developer, or for that matter, a Swift developer, a Java developer, um, would need in order to not just kind of not just deliver their app, but more kind of more importantly, deliver it quickly and deliver it with confidence. So um, this is what often gets called, and I know this word means a lot of different things to different people, but like your DevOps pipeline, right? Uh, so it could be things like build we just talked about. So whenever you check in your code to GitHub or wherever it is, whatever Git repository it's going to be, having a build automatically kick off in the cloud that is going to run all of your unit tests, that on successful completion is going to pass off to a set of automated UI tests. Because like, let's be candid, I, a lot of us may have a few unit tests in place, but the coverage often isn't all that great. And unit tests only cover a portion of the functionality within your app. So it's really helpful and, and almost necessary to have a couple of quick sanity checks for mainline scenarios to perform automated UI tests on real devices um, so that you know before you distribute out, whether it's distributing to beta testers or actually distributing out to the app store, you know that those mainline scenarios are pretty well covered. I think, you know, one of the important things here is I, I, I said on real devices, but often that, um, maybe that gets underplayed a little bit. So often these uh, automated UI tests end up happening on virtual machines of some kind. Uh, in our case, that's that's actually not true. They genuinely are executed on real devices. Um, and like the, the facilities where these things happen are freaking crazy town. Uh, you go in and there's just hundreds and thousands of Android phones and, and Apple phones, right? iPhones just lining the walls 
all plugged in via little USB cords, all with like a, essentially what amounts to a piece of duct tape over the screen. Um, not just because like the amount of light they emit is astounding, but um, because we want to keep your app concealed and private, right? Even from the network engineers there in the rooms. And so um, ex all, all these are executing your automated UI test right there. And then um, then we like kind of flow on to distribution services. And this is where this is where code push um, really like comes into play, but also gets married with another service that some of your um, listeners might have used before as well. Uh, are you familiar with Hockey App? I am. I've never actually used Hockey App. Oh, that's all right. I, yeah, um, we've used TestFlight quite a bit, but I know Hockey App is kind of in the same space. Yeah, right? it's kind of, kind of similar category. I mean, Hockey App's been around for I don't know, how many years it's now? Actually, Hockey App's been around as long as TestFlight. They both were started right after Apple uh, announced over-the-air support. Um, in 2011, maybe. 11. So like six years. I was, I was yeah, thinking about yeah, six years. Quite a, quite a while ago. Yeah. yeah. And Microsoft acquired it three years ago this three month, ago, I think. Three years ago in December. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Wow. It's yeah. the three-year anniversary yeah. of, of Hockey App. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, so it does it does distribution like TestFlight, but it has more. Uh, Hockey App also does crash reporting and analytics. And the uh, what's interesting is I, I think most people like, like you – no hockey app from the distribution piece from like okay i need to get this app to my beta um, beta testers the the crash reporting piece is actually incredibly accurate and we've done a lot of of work and investment i mean hockey app did a lot of work for us before microsoft acquired it and then afterwards where if you're writing an app the, the level of precision in the in the crash report meaning telling you the actual real line of code that's actually causing the problem and telling you why that occurred is, is is vastly superior to any other crash reporting service. It's because it's not easy. You get these stack frames from the, the device. You get the symbolic, you know, the the symbols, and you have to kind of fill every fi figure out what happened and then report it back to the developer. And that's something that it's a kind of a hidden gem of Hockeyapp that a lot of people didn't really know about. Yeah. So uh, how does that work with React Native, considering that the stack traces that we want are usually JavaScript stack traces? Uh, yeah, that that's is, a, that's a, good that is question. a great question. <laughs> that's a great question. This is actually one of the really nice things about being able to integrate a build service with a crash reporting service. Um, I mean, logically, many of us might kind of approach it thinking like these are completely different things. But especially in the case of something like React Native, they become very dependent upon each other uh, because we can generate the source maps for the JavaScript error that um, uh, out of like out of the build so that now not only are you going to get your native stack trace right for um, for you know Android or for iOS as the case may be but you'll also get your JavaScript stack trace if the error occurred in the JavaScript itself right now without source maps you'd kind of like you know you, you compile you get, you get the funky <laughs> JavaScript that doesn't make sense yeah that doesn't yeah. make sense the you know the, the kind of semi-compiled one right transpiled yeah. so if I played around with uh, crash reporting in Microsoft Mobile Center a couple months ago what I was actually using was Hockey App is that kind of how was there it's, it's, you were spiritually using Hockey App I guess, <laughs> is, yeah, is a, you're on a spiritual journey to <laughs> yeah. we've uh, it's you know depending on the feature in App Center yeah. we at times have you know, just poured it over the code and replatted it. Oh, okay. And okay. other times we've taken what we've known and completely rewritten something from scratch. So, like, Samina's team has built this uh, build service and this test service. The like, Actually, tell us where those come from. Okay, so the test service is uh, the next generation of Xamarin Test Cloud, um, which is this 
huge service with the thousands of devices that Ryan was talking about and that allows any type of developers to run their UI codes on uh, real devices. And maybe the name is a bit misleading because it's Xamarin Test Cloud, but it's actually for any type of developer because it has support for a lot of testing frameworks. Um, so the test service comes from Xamarin Test Cloud, basically, and it's built on top of Xamarin Test Cloud and it's the next generation of Xamarin Test Cloud. Okay, so basically if a developer or a company wants to to send out their you know their app on a hundred devices and mm -hmm. they don't want to buy that buy them all. You can literally just yeah. send them out and, mm -hmm. and have them run on those exactly. actual devices. What kind of information do they get regarding those tests? I know like a lot of times we want screenshots. Well, you get screenshots. You get like that. the steps that it executed each long. So for each step, screenshot. Right, and then green icon for good, red icon for bad, and if it's bad, then you're probably also going to get the uh, your, get the test logs, and if there's a crash, you'll also get the uh, crash logs as well. And you also get the performance data, like hardware usage, CPU. You get all of yeah. them for every single step. There's actually a cool graph, and for every single step, you see the point on the graph where the CPU usage is. It's pretty neat. Cool, very cool. And, and going back for a second to the whole hockey app thing. I know like one of the reasons people use React Native is because it's cross-platform. I guess that's another reason why Hockey App would be popular is because right now if we want to test, you know, iOS and Android, we're using, you know, um, I forgot what we, we've been using for Android recently, but it was, I can't remember the name, but it was a set, separate service. And then we have, um, you know, TestFlight for iOS. So you can just put everything in Hockey App, I yeah. guess, and just test it. But yeah, I mean, if, like, especially if you have a, a standard set of people that you're going to be beta testing with. Maybe it's, you know, the rest of your dev team, the rest of your company, um, you know, some set of family and friends. They're probably yeah, not all. Outsourced vendors, right? Yeah, they're not all going to be iOS. And oftentimes you don't want them all to be iOS or all to be Android. So you want, but you, ideally, it would be nice for you to be able to manage the, those groups of people and when they get builds versus when other people get builds all in the same fashion. And so that's one of the things because we uh, understand cross-platform development both from React Native and from Xamarin, we've tried to make those use cases uh, easy as possible. So yeah, you can just go in, you can you know set up your build, set up your React Native build and when the iOS one finishes, send it to the same test group that you're sending it to for the Android one and then those people will get or not get uh, the notification based on what uh, what device they have and whether or not they've t they've registered it yet. So um, it looks like right now the different platforms that you're are the different yeah the different platforms and operating systems you're kind of supporting right now are Android, iOS, Xamarin, and then React Native. Mm -hmm. um, so why React Native um, and like what do you like about React Native in general? Because that's really appealing to you know our listeners because we always kind of like to keep our fingers on the pulse of what is hot, what isn't hot. You know, is React Native you know, viewed by companies like Microsoft as like a, a very viable I mean, platform in the future and things like that. You, you look at the, the growth charts for React Native, you know, whatever chart you happen to look at, right? You're looking at NPM downloads or that kind of thing, right? The, um, the actual growth trajectory of React Native is like astounding. Is and that is not to say that um, near, near as I can tell, uh, there aren't as many React Native developers as there are iOS or Android developers out there today. But um, I've I talked to enough native developers who are looking at introducing React Native into their tool chain as a way of reducing code redundancy, right? Who nobody wants to write the same object twice, once for um, once for Java, once for Swift. Uh, 
increasing time to market. I mean, you know all about this matter, right? I mean, when you're consulting and you have a competitive bid out with, you know, another shop that says, hey, to deliver both an iOS and an Android app, it's going to take the next three months and um, it's going to cost you $80,000, right? And you as a consultant are able to say, you know what, I can deliver it in half that time and for 20% less, right? You're going to be in a better competitive situation to win that bid. And React Native like allows you to do that in part by writing less code, but also, and this is just like a purely, I don't know, I don't know if this is a personal development preference or if this is objective fact, uh, but I actually, I really think that the inner loop, the kind of the, the process of tweaking your UX, right? Playing around with your business logic is just so much faster because yeah. you don't have to wait for that compile time. Yeah. I mean, well, I think there's a, another component to your question, which is, okay, why does Microsoft care about React Native? Because, you know, you could, Microsoft could have made the choice to, after they bought Xamarin, which is where I'm, I was from. I was the VP of product at Xamarin. Microsoft could have made the choice, more specifically, like, you know, my boss, Nat, who's in charge of Microsoft's mobile developer strategy, to say, you know what? Cross-platform is really important, like Ryan said, and the thing we'll support is, is Xamarin, is C-sharp only, is the, is the cross-platform story. But we didn't do that. Instead, we went down the path of saying, uh, we really want to meet developers where they are. So there's a bunch of reasons why you want to do cross-platform that Ryan just true described. That, true that. And we are more than happy to always give you like our personal opinion on which languages and which frameworks for any kind of thing are, are useful. But we don't want to impose our opinion on people anymore. You know, we want to... Wherever you are, we want to meet you there. We can't possibly meet every developer with every framework out there. You know, I, there are thousands of ways to build mobile apps these days, and um, some of them are very popular and some of them are not. We have to kind of – we do have to rank things to some degree in terms of popularity. Um, but, you know, we, we just truly want to meet you where you're at. And, you know, this is like – and that's, a, that's an unusual thing, I think, for Microsoft. Like I, I worked at Microsoft uh, almost 20 years ago. I was part of the team that invented C Sharp and the .NET framework. I used C Sharp for years. But like my personal preference actually is like Ryan's. I really love the development workflow of React Native. So I'm personally quite happy that we're, we're supporting React Native. Um, but we know we wanted to support all of these things because we just want developers to be happy and productive. Because if they're happy and productive using our tools, Microsoft will benefit as a business in all kinds of ways. It's funny because you asked one question and we all... Three of us have different views on the question. <laughs> That's where my thoughts were kind of picking up from Keith is that I think React Native and App Center are actually very similar in part of their mission. Because on one hand side, they want to make developer more productive. And I mean, that's why we are there. We want to make app developers more productive. And as Ryan was saying, you know, being able to ship the same app in six weeks compared to three months is clearly a productivity thing. Yeah. Uh, but in the end, it's about the end user and making, you know, delivering value to your end user and shipping value to them and make, being able to make things quickly. And I mean, when I think about React Native, I mean, that's why we write mobile apps too make our users happy. And that's why we are here in App Center to make, you know, to ship value to end customers, to end users of the developers. So I think it's like different technologies, but they will still meet in the middle. So, I mean, I think yeah. it's a great match. Yeah, it's very yeah. true. Yeah, I mean, you got to keep in mind, we're, we're all from a team that, you know, builds developer tools, right? We are, we are developers at heart and we are building tools for developers. And when you kind of are trying to help developers become more productive, deliver their apps faster, kind of be able to, to enjoy their code more, like 
our criteria for success are that developers get excited about using our tools. And you can't make a developer excited by saying, go use C Sharp or go use Swift or go use whatever, right? This is, I think, one of the Kind of the, the real challenges of mobile development since its inception, right, is that in a lot of ways we've been forced to use very, very prescriptive tool chains. And that can be great in the early stages of a technology when um, like you need to choose to focus on a single path to get somewhere. But it turns out that the world is filled with a lot of very different complex problems. And the problems aren't always just the, the technologies we're using, but also the people that we bring to the problems, right? The knowledges that they bring. And so providing tools that adapt to people's skill sets that they bring to the table, right? And enabling them to use React Native or C Sharp or Swift or Java or Objective-C or whatever. Um, like, that's what we need as mobile starts to evolve past kind of its infancy and into kind of a ma more mature um, uh, kind of platform. Yeah, Ryan, this was, I had this question yesterday on Hacker News after our, our announcement. Yeah. Somebody said, this looks great. Why in the world is Microsoft doing this? And I gave this answer. I described. I gave them ex the, my exact answer, which is, we just are really passionately care about making developers really productive because if we think we do that, Microsoft will be in a better place. Those developers will will like us more. Will want to use our technologies more. I, you know, obviously things like getting people to use and pay for Azure are important to us. But there is this just overall strategy of just embracing developers at where they at and making, giving them tools that they really, really love. And no one believed me on Hacker News. <laughs> <laughs> like downvote, downvote. Yeah, yeah, they were like, that were like one guy wrote. I don't believe you. Hacker News people are like the most understanding in the world. Yeah, right, they're, they're super empathetic, yeah. Yeah, the, so the one person replied, what a lovely non-answer. And I was yeah. like, I just poured my heart out to you. I told you exactly why. I exposed my human yeah. humanity. I'm going spirit. back into the closet now. I'm doing it for money, all right, money. Yeah. It's you know it's super interesting though because um, as far as like what you what you all are trying to accomplish here because I would say about like seventy five percent of of the the hard answers that are not there I guess right now at least for some companies are the things that you're kind of trying to solve right now you know with the crash reporting the distribution and that type of stuff so if you can if you guys can nail it um, you know it would be a huge win not only for your company but I think for the React Native and the mobile ecosystem in general because it's it's such a complex problem to solve and it's it's really impressive actually after playing around with this kind of how it's all been brought together into one area. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I think we're close. I think we you know, products continue to improve. So I would never ever claim that App Center is like done. It's time to move on oh, to yeah. something else. And I, I, I do feel like there's V one, done. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Got it. Nailed that. Nailed Boom. it. The, I, I, I think, though, about, like, what we're going to accomplish in the next three months, in the next six months, in the next 12 months. And, like, you know, all, all the things that we're going to bring into the product, either from, like, a feature perspective or just polishing the connections, like, have me really excited. So hopefully by the time people hear this, 
the we'll have, we'll have already introduced <laughs> some of those well, things, yeah. right? So, um, are, is your team also the team that is working on VS Code, or um, I know that you yeah, on the React, some work with that. Yeah, on the React, React side of yeah. things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is a separate dedicated team that does. Uh, okay, I'm going to use some inside jargon here, but I think it'll make sense to everyone. Um, that focus on the VS Code as a platform, right? Like the basic editor, and then anyone who's used VS Code knows that, um, like a lot of its superpowers come from the all the extensions that. You you pull in, right? So our team builds out the uh, Visual Studio code tools for React Native and for Cordova. Um, and um, like there is a lot of super tight collaboration and you know between us and their team, but from a, just an engineering reporting chart perspective, they're a little bit different. Okay, yeah, because I think uh, the one thing that everyone as a React Native developer already knows and uses is VS Code. It's like super popular right now. Oh, yeah. um, you know, it's really lightweight, it works good. There's, it's, it's just beautiful, it's, it's really nice, I mean. Um, yeah. so do you, like, do you, you think know. we should add uh, extensions into VS Code for App Center? Absolutely, if, if that's something that, you know, could, could be done, I mean, any way to make it easier for us to kind of have all this stuff already integrated. Sure. I'm, just, I'm just kind of curious about the React Native developer experience with VS Code. Like I, when I code, I oftentimes just use a terminal. And so, but one of the things I've discovered is a lot of people are using VS Code's extensions to do things that they otherwise would have done in a, yeah. in a terminal. Or they're right? using the terminal inside of VS Code. Oh, yeah, exactly. exactly. I was going to say, yeah. that's become super popular and like a lot of, see the thing is with React Native as opposed to traditional native development, is a lot of developers are coming to React Native from the web, so they don't know anything about the native ecosystem. Yeah, they're in not general, about IDEs, and they're not about yeah. exactly. So, like to them, they're probably switching from Sublime to VS Code, and they're probably going from being a web developer to being a mobile developer and a web mm -hmm. developer. And I guess that actually brings me to the next question. I really kind of wanted to ask. So, I've just mentioned how a lot of developers are coming to mobile through React Native that haven't really worked in mobile before, as far as a, a platform. Why, like, how does this um, App Center fit into the workflow and why would they need all this stuff? Because we've talked about some of this stuff for sure, but I think just kind of hearing it laid out in that, in that way might help a lot of our listeners. Mm -hmm. I, I, one kind of follow-up question to your question is when you say, like, the workflow, do you mean as they're writing their code or do you mean something I guess broader like, than that? Uh, with, as a web developer, like, right now we might, um, you know, create our, uh, our our boilerplate, then we'll add a GitHub repository, and then we'll push to the GitHub repository, and then from there it'll it'll be just pushed to a server somewhere. Mm -hmm. We're we're skipping, you know, with, with mobile, there's a lot more stuff that has to happen. Yeah. So, like, where would all of well, this there doesn't stuff need to be. <laughs> I guess yeah. you're right. I guess that's what you're trying to solve. Yeah, yeah. I think, <laughs> I, I think we actually solved this. I, I, um, so we have a... Uh, just to just to make, put it in terms that are like exactly like if I'm a Node developer and I'm used to using npm and and all those kinds of things, you can literally uh, do an npm install of our command line tools, and you can use those command line tools to create an app and to set up uh, continuous integration and even to set up the deployment. So you could literally, within VS Code, never leaving your terminal, do what you just described. Okay, I'm going to go use Yeoman. I'm going to get a little template set up. I'm going to go create a new GitHub repository that I'm pushing this to. And then in App Center, not even going to App Center, you can just do it from your command line, or you can do it from the UI, set up continuous integration. And you can say, okay, for this specific branch, maybe like a maybe the branch is called develop, right? I'm going to, I want you to always build this, run some unit tests, and then deploy it to my personal phone. And 
that's that will then just happen every time immediately with no. It may no be issues. wrong from UI test, which yeah. web developers are also familiar with, right? right or right, they right. should be familiar with. Yeah, that will just all work. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we like yeah. to say that it's super easy from Git push to having the app on your phone. It's like super easy. Whereas before React Native and, and, and Map Center were, uh, came along, if you wanted to do that, you would have to do a lot more work. I mean, a right. lot more yeah. work. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I think the, like, the, the key here is it's not so much that we are adding steps to your workflow here. We're actually, our, our, our hope, I think we've succeeded here, is that we're taking steps out of your workflow so that you can depend upon the kind of the system, the computer, to automate all the stuff that like is mechanical, right? So the goal here would be if you've, you know, installed all of your command line tools, right? And you say, all right, App Center, look at this Git repository, right? And then all you have to do from there on out is just continue developing the way you normally would. And App Center's job is to monitor that GitHub branch and or repository and branch. And every time you check in, right, every time you do a commit, uh, then, okay, we'll spin up a build. Great, it's built, it's tested. Uh, and now it's distributed out not only to you as the developer, but maybe you know your small team, right? So that everyone is on the same page with the same updated version of the app and everyone can be in the office, can be playing around with it that day. And then when time comes and you want to integrate it into your production, right? Then you're just leveraging the analytics capabilities, right? To have a better understanding of, I mean, it's the same thing as Google Analytics, right? I mean, like you just want to know where your customers yeah, are, what on. they're doing, what's going on. But with, with, with so much, it's, it, it's the same conceptually, but, but actually integrating it, it's much more complicated on, on uh, mobile, typically, at least in my experience. Typically. For, for us, it should be an SDK and fire custom events when you need them, right? right? Yeah, it should, it, it should literally just be, I mean, if you were a Swift developer, you'd probably use CocoaPods, so we support CocoaPods. Obviously, you can do it otherwise. With React Native, is this going to be a typical, you know, React Native-based node package that you're just adding to your project? And then one line of code, really. You're, yeah, right. Um, there's The documentation is really good on, um, on, on Microsoft's end. And then I've written a blog post on React Native training about how to get set up with code push and analytics in like 15 minutes. Yeah. I'm also putting something together on push notifications. Um, it's going to be local notifications, which doesn't have anything to do with, uh, with uh, App Center. But then the second part is actually adding App Center. And nice. um, yeah. it's been pretty pretty nice uh, experience so far. I'm, I'm really liking it. I think um, a lot of developers coming... Again, from the web, I've never done push notifications, so it's a lot of work um, just on the Apple end a lot of times because yeah. they don't. I mean, that's the that's another part that yeah. has nothing to do with. Yeah, there's anything. there's there's not as much as we can do <laughs> to fix that. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like even with all of that, I think I put uh, had I had remote notifications running on Android and iOS about thirty minutes, which was pretty cool. That's fantastic. So, that's actually pretty impressive. I know, that. I was impressed. <laughs> yeah. One of the um, things that we showed yesterday, uh, another colleague of ours named Dima, she did a demo in um, Nat's session where she showed uh, Cosmos DB, which is this, uh, this uh, planet-scale database that Azure has that has, you know, it's, it's super fast, it's super flexible, it can, you know, roll, you know, keep copies of your data across the planet. But one of the really nice things about it, it's a NoSQL-like database, um, is that you can write a function that runs 
uh, in the cloud when like a data update happens. And so she showed an example of writing a function, I can't remember, I think it was in JavaScript, that would run whenever this row in Cosmos was updated. And then inside of that function, she would send a push message oh, to, cool. through App Center. She, she would say, make a REST call. So I was going to ask Center. about that. Actually, that was my next question because yeah. having to do with uh, notifications came, uh, that was the next question I had past where I have uh, my blog post. I have push notifications working, so when I log into uh, App Center, I'm able to manually, you know, send yep. a push notification. What if I want to automate those push notifications? Does does, does App yeah. Center do that yet? Everything in App Center you can do from the UI. You can do from a REST API. Okay, Everything. so um, you can you can actually. Everything. Okay, so you can do that from a REST API, and yep. that's already yep. documented, I guess. Yeah, yep. okay. yep. yep. cool. We went out of our way. This is like this is like rule number one on the team. You can't add UI that doesn't have a REST API behind it. That awesome. is in the public swagger, and every now and then we'll forget, you know. There's, but those are like sins of omission that we then fix, <laughs> okay. and then most of the product, but not all of it, um, the command line interface um, covers as well. So there, are, there's the REST API is at 100% equal to the UI. The command line interface is probably 70% of the. Especially for the again. frequent automation jobs, because yes. like one of the things that one of the core principles in our team was that we don't want to have people needing to um, take all of App Center, that they can take any service that they want and integrate it in their own workflow. So as Keith was saying, you have the command line interface, the CLI, let's say for distribution, and you can just take it and put it in your own build server, whatever that server is, uh, Jenkins, VSTS, whatever, and put it there and still use App Center for some other features. Okay, awesome. So um, I guess uh, what all are you all excited about in the next three to six months or three months to a year, I guess. What is, uh, you know, what are the plans for the future with AppCenter? Mm. Mm. Actually, I, I want to hear Samina on that one because she's, she's got some stuff cooking <laughs> up in the build and test space. Well, the thing I'm most excited on right now is that we are finally GA, general availability. So we'll have teams using the product in real production apps and we're going to be able to learn a lot. Like I'm just looking forward for the next three, three months to learn a lot uh, see what people want, and then just iterate from there. Yeah. And we have a lot of polish and um, integrations between the services themselves to do. So I think there's a lot of improvement space there. So basically, if someone was looking at Microsoft Mobile Center, Microsoft App Center now, before it was kind of in beta, it's kind of an alpha, mm-hmm. now it's, uh, it's no, at least... It's ready to go. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think w- at least w- w- what I hear Samina saying, and tell me if I'm getting you right here, uh-huh. is because it's it's actually the same sentiment for me, is we've, we've had people who were willing to give App Center a try while it was in beta, but like for some folks, there is a kind of a meaningful hesitancy when, you know, when there's no guaranteed support. And, uh, and so the kind of getting feedback from customers now that we're in GA and and now that we were already starting to welcome in a lot of customers here, even on day one of its availability, you can tell there was a little bit of maybe even pent up demand, right? Um, like I expect us to get a lot of feedback and our goal is to be as responsive to that feedback as possible and to, to kind of continue iterating because the same thing that we want for our customers that you can ship updates frequently, right? That you can ship updates at higher confidence and that you have a better view into how your app is being used. We want the same things for ourselves, right? We want to be able to do the same kind of quick iterative improvement on the service so that developers just like keep seeing it get better and better and better. Yeah, and for me, uh, I'll give you specific features 
this because I'm I'm the person in the room who, who doesn't get in trouble for saying what, what features we're going to ship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, um, I I think one of the things I want to see is uh, the crash reporting for React Native apps to be so superb that no React Native developer would ever consider using anything else. So just like with Code Push. Yeah, because Code right? Push is kind of in that space exactly. to so co- right now. It, it is so superior to any other alternative that every React Native developer uses it. I want to get our crash reporting system to the same place um, because there's lots of little polishes and little things you could do. And I don't know if that's you know one more month or three more months. I think that's a, you know that depends because when you get to polish, it's it's really about going back to what Ryan and Samita said. It's You need lots and lots of feedback right, and lots right, of scenarios. Right. So I really want to see that get there to the point where it is, you know, because if you're a Swift developer and you used hockey apps, crash reporting, you just had such a meaningfully better experience. Same with Code Push. So I want to see that. Uh, one of the things that we don't offer today is when I do a successful build, I say I want to automatically distribute it. And today you can automatically distribute it to an app store or to a beta tester group. What you can't automatically do from a successful build is send it to Code Push. So you still have to do that as a separate step. And I want to remove that step at some point. So I want the ability, ideally, and again, I don't know whether this would take, you know, I I don't want to promise this in one month, but I think within, certainly within the next six months, I want to see successful builds go to code push uh, using the same kind of canary deployment where if, if it's working and you're not getting lots of crashes, it rolls out to everybody else. And I want to use that canary deployment to make as a gate to whether or not you could push it out to the app stores. Right, and so those are those are two things I really want to see. Yeah, I think uh, definitely that's awesome to hear. And I know there isn't a like one crash reporting platform that people are wild about right now. It's kind of people are all still looking for the best yes. one. So yeah. if, uh, if that I think happens, we can be, be that great. best one. Awesome. Yeah, and then actually, you know, now that we're we talked about it a little bit earlier, I really want us to build some VS Code extensions for for App Center. Um, the I like I said I, I oftentimes personally kind of forget that that's like a, a key part of the experience there and so there should be no reason why well a I would say I would love to see some Yeoman templates that anybody can do somebody on the in the community listening to this could do that and I will be happy well, to what kind tweet. of template would you be thinking of maybe something that already has uh, Microsoft App Center yeah yeah you could, you could build a Yeoman template that. Uh, creates an app to get your app ID that adds the uh, adds the SDK. Like a generator, or yeah, something yeah, like just that, like yeah. A, like you know, there's lots. I I usually use Yeoman templates anytime I do web development or React Native yeah, development. Let me know. I'm, I could probably build that actually. That yeah, seems I would, like something that would be fun. For I would love that. Do. I would and I would tweet out. It should be should be pretty straightforward using our command line to like automatically create the app, get the app ID back, initialize App Center, even set up uh, like you know you could ask a couple questions in Yeoman to like hey what's your GitHub repo, set up the build, blah blah blah. You could could probably go even further in future versions. So I want to see someone build that in the community, but then I also want to see us making it possible to do a lot of those things within VS Code as VS Code extensions. That that would be another like real fun thing. Good ones. Okay, cool. Well, um, I think we're about there on time. Um, is there anything else you all want to cover before we wrap it up? I, I, I do want to mention one thing that we didn't get a chance to talk about. Um, this is like, you know, quick one. I know that um, for Code Push, we, I, we received a lot of feedback from folks that they were concerned about security at times, right? Especially from like 
larger financial organizations and things like that. And um, for folks that that may not have been paying attention, uh, this um, last couple last month here, we did release some improvements to Code Push to add code signing uh, to that. And so anyone who um, has not tried that feature yet, um, I really really encourage you to go check it out. Um, especially like. I'm as the days go by, I'm getting more and more paranoid from a security perspective. I think we all, as developers, owe it to our customers, our end users, to to start being a little bit more mindful about how we use their data, how we use our own data, and how we protect kind of data, um, whether it's across the wire, or over the air, or at you know in while it's stored, wherever it's at. Uh, and so, I do want to encourage folks to to kind of as whether it's in code push with code signing or it's elsewhere, uh, just to be a little bit more mindful um, with uh, GDPR. Um, that's uh, what is it? Global Data Privacy, uh, or what's the R for? Regulation. Regulation. Yeah, yeah. GDPR. <laughs> Anyone who's got um, uh, apps that are shipped in Europe um, will be subject to that. It's. I know it's kind of a wonky security thing, but. Um, there have been enough security breaches between Equifax and everywhere else. Like, as developers, the best thing that we can do is be more mindful of our customers' data. So, so um, is use that something code that you have to opt into on Code Push now, or is it something that is you automatically done? Or? Yeah, you, yeah, you set, set it up. Okay. Yeah, but you can set that. What you essentially are doing is saying, "I'm going to cryptographically verify that what I uploaded to Code Push was actually downloaded on my end users." Uh, device. Okay. And that basically it prevents, uh, it lets you detect and prevent man in the middle attacks where somebody was on some kind of open Wi Fi and their network was hacked, hijacked, and things like that. Yeah. All right. Well, Samina, Keith, Ron, thank you for joining me. Um, it was Always. really nice having thank you. you. And hopefully we'll be back next year for Microsoft Connect 2018. Love it. Mm -hmm. Love it. Thanks for having us. All right. Thanks, buddy.